Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guests today are Dr. Ellen Bader and Dr. Peter Pearson. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's Thanks. good to be here, Henry. Good to be here. Yeah, happy to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. This is a topic that uh, is of interest particularly to me and to a lot of our listeners, so I can't wait to get into it. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to chat about the challenges of working together in a business as a couple and what can you do to avoid the common mistakes that a lot of couples encounter when they do work together in a small business. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes pages for this or other episodes, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So Dr. Ellen Bader and Dr. Peter Pearson, uh, they have uh, specialized in helping couples transform their relationships for over 30 years. Ellen and Pete are co-founders of the Couples Institute based in Silicon Valley, where they help entrepreneurial couples better understand and overcome the unique challenges of managing a business and marriage simultaneously and successfully. Ellen and Pete, they now have been married for over 36 years, bring both personal experience and clinical expertise to their clients through innovative programs and intensive workshops where they have guided thousands of couples to build the lives they love with the ones they love. I love that. So Ellen and, and Pete live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Obviously, the, the um, Couples Institute is in Silicon Valley. And so once again, Ellen and Pete, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, we're, like I said, we're glad to be here. Love talking about this topic. Yes, absolutely. And you've helped so many people through it. I, um, As we were chatting briefly before we started recording, I have been in business with my wife. Uh, my current situation now is she's got her own travel consulting business. And I help her with it, but she's kind of running that on her own. But we did in particular, it's been three years ago since we sold a business that we had. It was a sweet salon business. And we worked in it closely together. She kind of ran the office, the back office, took care of tenant relationships, and I did other things. And that was really our first time working together. So definitely- How long did you do that? We did that for six years, yeah. And, okay. and that was the first time. And it, it was not easy up front, but we figured it out, I think. <laughs> Listen, what you just said, Henry, is true of just about every couple. Uh, it's, it's, as somebody said, it's kind of like knitting your parachute on the way down. <laughs> so, so what are some of those common challenges that you guys see that the couples face when they go into business together for the first time? So there, there's a bunch of them, but I'll just name a few. I mean, one of them is whatever happened to our love life or our personal relationship, business takes over and it's all, and it, it's just all consuming. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Another one is who's the boss? Uh, <laughs> there can be power struggles and, not, and a lack of clarity about who owns what and who's in charge of what and who's doing what. Mm -hmm. uh, I have had a lot of entrepreneurs say to me, I had to learn how to stay in my lane. Mm -hmm because it was so easy to step into her lane or his lane. Um, so, and then there's also the thing of, you know, our kids are, we're tired and our kids only see us when we're tired. 
there can be a lot of um, couple owned businesses, they may work out of the house. And then there's also uh, the boundary issues in the house is the, is the business taking over at the home. Uh, so how about you, Henry? What were some of those early challenges that you faced when you and your wife started working together? Yeah, I was writing those down and all of those applied. I think a couple of other things, but I want to come back. I'll come back to that in a moment. The, the, the point you mentioned there at the end, I think, is an important one because it impacts, like you said, not just the couple, but the family. What we consciously tried to do, because I read this once, that a lot of the children of small business owners one of the reasons they don't want to go into business or take over the business is all they've heard at the dinner table are the problems, the headaches, the, you know, the client that didn't pay or the tenant that did whatever. And so we tried consciously not to do that, but that can, can see how easily that happens. But I think the other thing I would add to that, to that list that you, you, you listed is for me, the biggest challenge was learning to properly delegate and then let go of that, right? Not, not to micromanage Pam, my wife, Pam, when I taught her how to do something and then I gave her that task, I had the tendency to still want to micromanage it. So that was a big one for me. Well, Henry, it's interesting you say that because when you start a business, you're used to doing just about everything. Right. And one of the reasons people start their own business is because they, they want to control their destiny. They like to shape and control how things get played out and unfolded. And they would rather work 60 or 70 hours a week for themselves and 40 hours a week for somebody else who tells them what to do. Mm -hmm. That kind of independence spills over when you work with your spouse. It's hard to let go once somebody's in charge of doing a task. And boy, did you nail that one. Yeah, that, that was a big challenge. And then Ellen, you talk about being all consuming. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are, because in general, this topic, whether it's in a couple situation or, you know, if whether or not the spouse is involved, I always ask this question about whether we should separate business from personal or a lot of people will argue, which I tend to lean towards, which is it's all one and the same. It's impossible to separate it. But what are your thoughts there as it comes to the health of the relationship on separating business from personal? Well, first of all, it is pretty impossible to separate them. So I happen to agree with you on that. Um, the, I've been recently just interviewing a lot of entrepreneurial couples who work together just to dig into you know, what they do and how they do it and see whether it fits with the experience we've had of working with people in our own practices. And what a lot of the couples say is, you know, that working together is a real bond between them, mm -hmm. but they also are pretty conscious about like taking a getaway. One of the couples I talked to a few weeks ago said, once a month we spend 24 hours in a hotel. And when we go to the hotel and they do it in their hometown, but when we go there, that's the time we've, we're not going to talk business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they, they seem to try to preserve something that is a remnant of when they weren't working together. Yeah, I love that. I love that as a tip. Um, on the topic of who's the boss, as you mentioned, who, who should be the boss? Does there need to be one boss? Can we both be the boss? Oh, boy, did you just open the door. <laughs> uh, and actually, Ellen has, or we've created together, but Ellen has a way of helping to uh, clarify just that dilemma, and it is common. So I'll, 
I'll answer you by saying um, that we really believe that there's, you know, different roles and different areas in the business. Mm -hmm. And that when a couple gets clear about uh, who has unilateral decision-making, equilateral decision-making between the two people, and a third type of decision-making that we call 5149. Mm. So for for example, and in a 5149 decision, it would be, let's say, Henry, what's an area that you pretty much ran when you were in business with your wife? I guess I, one of the big areas probably I decided what we were going to invest in from a capital perspective, like what was the budget going to be for improvements in the salon, let's say. Okay. And did you solicit input from her? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that would be a good example of a 5149 where both of you knew that you had the final say, but you didn't leave her out. You brought mm -hmm. her in and you solicited her opinion and you listened to her and what she had to say mattered. Mm -hmm. so because I, it's, it's not unlike a 50-50 partnership with whomever it might be that somebody needs to have that veto power to make sure the business doesn't stall, right? Right, right. And in, I mean, I'll give you an example from our business because, you know, we have different areas that we run in different ways. Like when we're doing strategic planning for the business, it's an equal decision making because we're co-owners of the business. We work together in the business and we make those decisions together. But we've had some different markets that we've worked with. We work with mental health professionals as well as couples. And so we split those areas out where one of us was in charge of one of those and the other was in charge of the other. And in those areas, we functioned much more unilaterally, mm -hmm. uh, really running those areas and those divisions and not having to go to each other for every decision. And then there are some areas that we run as a 5149. And what happens when couples are clear up front about the decision-making authority that you have in any area of the business, it really relieves the conflict and the tension a lot. Yes. So Henry, when you had that agreement with your wife, was it a formal agreement that you would have the majority vote on capital expenditures? You know, I, I don't recall that we ever had the conversation. I think we did a pretty good job up front discussing who would play what role. In fact, I put together an org chart that they kind of, and I, I was the CEO role, if you would. So I guess by, by default, that's what was understood, but I don't know that we had a specific conversation on those kinds of things that I would have the 51% vote. Well, see, sometimes it makes a huge difference if you have a thorny decision to make. Mm -hmm. Say, now, which one of us is going to get 51% of the vote? And that will clarify things in a hurry. And when you have 51%, then it makes it really okay to ask your partner what they think, what they want, and the pros and the cons. If you both think you have veto power, you end up trying to talk the other person into what you want and you don't listen as carefully. Yeah, yeah. And waste a lot of energy that could be spent on doing, getting other things done in the business, I suspect. Totally, totally. Okay. Should we talk about the overlap, Ellen, of the things that make a business successful also work in the marriage? Sure. Yeah, because I was going to go kind of that direction next, Pete, so I think that, that would be great. Well, here's what we found, that the things that many of the qualities, traits, uh, habits, or perspectives that a successful entrepreneur will practice and apply in their business, 
if you take many of those same qualities and just rotate them around a bit, they will also strengthen your marriage. Mm. So on one hand, you don't have to learn a whole lot of new skills to make your marriage work if you're working with your spouse. If you say, well, here's some things that really work in my business now, let's apply them to our marriage. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll give you an example for one thing. Think about this. Uh, what do you think will happen uh, to your best customers in your business, the ones that you really don't want to lose? If you stop acknowledging them, if you stop expressing appreciation, if you stop communicating with them, and the only time they hear from you is when you want to sell something to them, what do you think is going to happen to those important customers? Right. Over time, we're going to lose trust. They're going to see me as something that, you know, I only come to them not with solutions, but when I need something or want something, it's about me in that relationship then. Bingo. Now think about this. <clears throat> Here's how this applies to your marriage, which is acknowledgement and appreciation to your spouse on a regular basis. And I'll, I'll give you an extreme example of what it really means to acknowledge, appreciate your spouse, and that you have their back and that the marriage comes first. Uh, the Nobel Prize Committee contacted uh, Pierre Curie, Madame Curie's husband, and they mm -hmm. said to him, we are pleased to announce you won the Nobel Prize. And he said, really? They said, yep. And he said, well, guess what? My wife was so crucial in what uh, I get credit for that I will not accept this unless she's included. They went back and they thought about it and he said, no, this prize is just yours. Hmm. What Pierre Curry said was, if you do not include my wife, I will decline accepting the Nobel Prize. Well, the Nobel Committee budged hmm. and they gave the Nobel Prize to both of them. If that's not an extreme example of appreciating and acknowledging your partner, if that's not an extreme example of putting the marriage first before your own ego, it's, it's an extraordinary example. Yeah, no, fantastic story, fantastic example, absolutely. It's um, the, the thing that we wanna keep helping couples is when, well, I'll, I'll reframe it and say it like this. One of the early signs when a couple comes in that their marriage is in distress, an early warning signal is that they have stopped expressing appreciation and acknowledgement to each other, mm. who they are and what they do. And when that, that just slowly evaporates and slowly disintegrates, and now all they hear is mostly problems and complaints. Um, I think Mother Teresa said, uh, and she's probably one of the few people on earth that could say this with credibility, she said, there is a greater hunger for love and appreciation in the world than there is for bread. Yeah. So one of the things that Ellen and I do when we start working with the couple is we say we want them to do the daily double which is at least once or twice a day for 14 consecutive days, find a way to express to your partner that you love, value, appreciate, respect them for who they are or what they do and find a way to express it. 
Yeah. And that serves actually as a cushion so that if you bring up a problem, you know it's in a context of also being appreciated. Um, and, uh, and some of those appreciations can be for what you do at work and some for what you do at home and definitely don't load them all in just one area. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point as well. And, you know, it's a funny example of that that came to mind as you were describing that, Pete, is uh, one time I wrote on a little sticky note, I wrote to my wife a note, and it was a sarcastic intent. Funny enough, I wrote, you're doing a great job. Uh, we'll see about getting you a raise or something like that. <laughs> and do you know that she still has that sticky note? She still, she took it as, you know, I partly meant it as a compliment and an acknowledgement to your point of how well she was doing it. Cause she went into it very nervous. This was that the experience was the first time that she had been involved in a business. So she had low confidence and it's amazing how even something little like that was impactful. So Henry, those things are really impactful. I mean, and when you keep saying to her, you know what, honey, I know that this is a risk for you. I know you feel like you're walking on thin ice and just let me tell you, how much I respect your willingness to take this risk, how much I respect your willingness to go forth for us, standing shoulder to shoulder in this unknown endeavor. I really respect that you're taking the risk and the talents that you bring to the table. And saying that more than once counts for a lot. Yeah. You know, another example, when you, were, when you were giving the example of how you would treat a customer, what I had to check myself on early on is that I was talking to her, I, I asked myself, would I have spoken to an employee the way I just spoke to her? Ah. Yeah, because I was bringing to it baggage and you know, you get away with, you shouldn't, but we get away with speaking to a spouse sometimes and you catch how disrespectful it can be, especially in that business environment, right? How undermining it can be. And I had to check myself on that. Oh, controlling that impulse is huge. You know, there's a flip side of that too. I uh, was talking to another couple who said um, she she's in real estate and he's in a different business completely, but they were working together on a very big real estate deal. And partway through it, he said to her, I wish you would start talking to me like I am your client. <laughs> Interesting. Stop talking to me like you're, I'm your husband and start talking to me. <laughs> right, the so, so the, 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 the extreme opposite can be an issue as well as what you're saying, Ellen, right? Yeah. 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 Here's just a PS to the acknowledgement and appreciation, um, which is we have to tell couples, do not follow the golden rule for your marriage. And the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. A much better rule is Find out what your partner wants and help make it happen. It's See, I love verbal strokes. Mm -hmm. I, if Ellen tells me I'm great, then da, 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 that works for me. Ellen, on the other hand, she likes action-oriented acknowledgments, mm -hmm. doing things. So I used to go around the house telling Ellen she was great. She would go around the house doing everything, and we were missing each other and both feeling unappreciated because we were giving what? we wanted. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. Um, you know, so just to, to, before we move on on this topic of what we bring into the relationship, that is what I call, you know, that, that baggage that we bring in 
from our personal relationship to our work relationship. It seems to me that it's analogous to, I always advise for people that if they don't have their financial house in order, they're probably going to bring over those same bad habits to the business, right? Yep. And it seems like it applies as well. If if the relationship isn't strong, the business is not going to make it any better, is it? You know, I, I'll tell you, I love this comment I heard a couple of weeks ago. A guy, I, I said, what advice do you have for couples who are starting out? And he said, if you don't love your wife a whole lot before you go into business, <laughs> don't think the business is going to make you love her anymore. It's probably going to be a lot less. <laughs> yeah, agreed. This is Henry Lopez. Let's take a quick pause on this episode to chat about your small business dreams. Do you have a great business idea, but have just not been able to get it launched? Have you built a successful corporate career, but need some help making the transition to entrepreneurship? Are you ready to start building your own wealth instead of someone else's? I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. Just text bizcoach, altogether bizcoach, to 31996 for more information. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business dreams and goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to launch our first business. As an experienced entrepreneur who also made the difficult transition from the corporate world, I understand the challenges you're facing and often it's about helping you ask the right questions so that you can make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you through your transition to becoming your own boss. To find out more or to schedule your free coaching session, just text BizCoach to 31996 now. That's B-I-Z-C-O-A-C-H, BizCoach, to 31996. Or visit thehowabusiness.com. All right, so, so I'd like to get into a little bit of what are those things that a couple that's considering going into business, so they haven't done it yet. We'll get to that in a moment if, if it doesn't go well. What are some of those other things that a couple that you help them ask and look at and evaluate before they actually go do it? So actually, from all the years that we've worked, we've refined it down to something that we call the candor blueprint or the candor solution, which is basically six areas that make a difference in terms of a really flourishing working relationship and marriage. And so uh, I'm going to go through those just really quickly and tell yes. you what they are, but also and you can get them on a, a special report at the end. We'll give you a link. So you don't have to remember what all six of them are and you can look at them at your leisure. Perfect. Um, but before I even do that, I would say for a couple who, like when, when, we, when we meet with a couple who are thinking about going into business, we'll go through these and see which are intact and which aren't. Mm. And then are they willing to get help or support in order to get them in, you know, functioning well? So, um, so they, they all fit along the initials of the word candor. So the first thing is commitment. And the commitment is, are we really both in? Is this something we want to do? Are we passionate about it? Do we care about it? Or is somebody dragging the other person in? And so we look at what's the level of commitment for each person. The second thing is the acknowledgement and appreciation. Are you able and are you doing it? Acknowledging and appreciating each other. Both at work and on the home front. Right. On a regular basis. 
Uh, the third one is we've got some basic skills for how to negotiate successfully if you're a couple, uh, because there are some very specific negotiation strategies that work better and well if two people are married to each other. And so do they have a process for negotiating? The fourth one is decision-making, and that's where I was, we were mentioning that earlier, uh, utilizing those three different types of decisions in different roles will make, will take a whole lot of conflict out of the relationship if people get clear about that. Um, the next one is ownership. And by ownership, we mean everybody's got their places that we flinch or we get triggered by our partners or, you know, they say or do something and we react. And are you willing to own that? Are you willing to like, not be so defensive. I mean, I, I know when I'm under stress, I can get really bossy sometimes. So if Pete says, hey, you know, you're, are you trying to boss me right now? I better darn well say, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. And I'd like to keep on bossing you right now. Right. So the ownership of the flinches. And here's a quick PS. It's like uh, when Ellen says, yeah, I am trying to boss you. And frankly, I'd like to keep on bossing you right now. <laughs> There's something that is refreshing and relieving when she owns it mm -hmm. and just says, yeah, that's true. That's what I'm doing. And I, I can get snarky and I interrupt Ellen uh, <laughs> like I'm yes. doing today. Um, <laughs> But I have a tendency to interrupt, and that's and when Ellen says, "Just put a cork in it," you know, I go, "Oh, fine, cool." Well, I come from a family of interrupting, and the first time that Ellen met my family, she was like really quiet for like a day or a day and a half. And I said, "Ellen, what's the matter? You're not saying anything." She's, well, I'm waiting for a pause so I can say something. Good luck, Ellen. You know? <laughs> Good luck if you're polite in this family. You you know, ain't gonna happen. Yeah. yeah but, but to that point is sometimes we just, all we need is for the other person to acknowledge that they're exhibiting this behavior. Yes. Know? It's huge. I cannot tell you how huge it is when we own our stuff. Uh, the other, and we are, we're afraid that the other person is going to use it against us. And occasionally they might, but that's, that's for then a separate discussion. But we're so afraid if we own it, it will be used against us. So then we defend it. We try to finesse it. We slip it. We bob and weave. Uh, but just, yeah, okay, that's what I'm doing. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, so number six, Ellen. Uh, so six is R, which is for uh, roles and responsibilities. So that has to do with, you know, being really clear about the roles. So it sounded like you were the CEO. And what was her role? She was responsible, uh, I think her title was, was certainly a business manager, so she was responsible for all of the back office, meaning the accounting, the billing, um, and then she shared responsibility with my brother for sales. Now let's shift to your home front, and what was uh, one of your roles and one of her roles on the home front? Uh, so, my, so she had been until that point in time a stay-at-home mom which happened shortly after I married, shortly after our daughter was born, she decided to uh, take an early package retirement. She had been a flight attendant for, for 14 years. Wow. So when we did this business, this was her first time back working outside of the home. And uh, so her primary role at home was to, to be the, the caregiver and the, you know, running the household. 
And, and so I bet, she had, I, bet, I bet she had some areas where she had the ability to make decisions without consulting you at home. Absolutely. And so once you two started working together, you were flipping roles in, in those areas. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you know, she was coming in you with you as the CEO and there were going to be times where what you said did hold, mm -hmm. but also at home, there were probably times where what she said held. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and as I think about all of that, part of what was difficult at first, and I got to imagine is difficult for a lot of business owners is at first, when you're starting a business, there's all of that stress that comes from this thing you've just taken on and yeah. the money that you've put into it and all of that. And so that heightens everything, right? Everybody is super sensitive and super, you know, I, I get into that mode where I, I'm going to, you know, it's not going to be because of any lack of effort. So I want to do it all. No, you're right. I mean, and, and also when things get really super stressful, if for some people, it's like, are we going to lose our business and our marriage? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can imagine that happens often, right? Because that's what I was going to ask you about as well is when the business ends up not doing well, you know, what, what are some tips that you recommend there to, to help people get through that so that it doesn't wreck their marriage as well? Well, the first one is usually having a consultant. <laughs> Getting some help, right? You got to get some help to get through that, right? Right. And, you know, ideally you can find, and there are not many of these, but ideally you can find somebody with business savvy, but who also understands relationship dynamics enough mm -hmm. to be able to address that somewhat and not pretend that it's not happening. Right, right. All right. Of the six items that, that make up the, the candor solution, is there one that you would say if, if this one is broken or if you go into it not having developed this one, it's, it's sure to fail? Is there one that you would pick out out of the six that is perhaps a little bit more important than the others? Uh, it's a really good question. And I think if we were to boil down all six into one, it would be like this. Both people, it's important to find out what's important to your partner, find out what they want, and find out why those things are important to them. And if it doesn't violate your ethics or your morality, then help make it happen. Mm -hmm. And when both people do that, that's when I think you really learn how to work together, live together, and love together. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well said. And, you know, uh, the, the commitment piece is super important. Okay. Um, and I loved what a woman said to me just the other day. She, she said, um, my husband and I built a tech company together for 12 years, and it, was, it strengthened our marriage. We worked really well together. Um, and then we got to a point where he wanted to take it to a much higher level and develop it much bigger. And she said, I went to him one day and I said, you know what? I don't have the desire to be the one who builds that with you. Mm. And, and so they ended up working it out where she left the business at that point and she supports him. She does dinner parties. She does other things. She travels with him for work but she didn't want to learn the skill set that really was going to be involved in moving that company to a much higher level. Right. So, right. so acknowledging that her commitment wasn't there anymore was as important as when it was really there at the beginning 12 years earlier. 
Yeah, that's so critical. And that doesn't mean that she is not supportive, right. but, it's, but it's different than being committed together into a business. Right, and it doesn't mean she doesn't love him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. So Henry, I'll give you a really short example that you can predict what kind of marriage you think they had. Uh, it's a woman, she, she, she does, she's a graper. She comes into a house, she came into our house, she makes suggestions for grapes, she makes sows them at her house, uh, she installs them, she does everything. And she said, I've been doing this for a lot of years and I was married before. And my husband also had a small business on the side. He worked not really hard and not really long hours. She said, but I would come home at night and he would say to me, what's for dinner, honey? <laughs> and I said, was that your ex-husband you're talking about? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can relate to that extremely well right now because that's the situation that we are in now. I have my other businesses. She has her own. And yeah, that's, that's something we've had to work out is that I have to be respectful and not uh, undermine or look at her business as any less than the businesses that I have going, right? Right. Uh, it's not a hobby. It's a business. Right. Right. I hope she listens to this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make her listen to it. She doesn't usually listen to my podcast, believe it or not, but, she, uh, but she'll listen to this one, I think. Pam, we hope you like this one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right. So a lot of this, obviously, and you've been touching on it, to me, boils down to communication. In a, in a relationship, communication is key. And in working together, communication is key before, during, and, and at some point as we progress through it, right? Yeah. But, you know, people often say um, we want help with communication. Mm. And the thing is that good communication takes personal development. It takes growth. It takes risk. It takes tolerating tension. It takes not taking things personally. It's not just, you know, finding better words to say something. And so I think sometimes when people say we want to be better communicators, they don't realize that what they're really saying is, uh, I'm going to sign up for some growth, you know, yeah. <laughs> some Right. Good, good clarification. That's a good point. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll give you a communication tip uh, for your listeners, for you, if it fits for you. And it, it, it's interesting. It came from a guy who used to be a Navy fighter pilot. And he then shifted to, after he got out of the Navy, he was flying airplanes in smaller airports. And he made the comment, he said, when I come into a smaller airport, the person in the control tower will say to me, what's your intention? Hmm. I said, what does he mean when he says that? He said, well, are you just going to fly over? Are you going to circle for a while? Are you going to land? Is this going to be a touch and go? What's your intention? And I said to him, you just gave you and your wife an extraordinary communication tip, hmm. which is if a discussion is starting to go sideways, starting to get tense. If one or the other of you can say to your spouse, what's your intent for this discussion? What's the outcome that you're looking for in this discussion? And it will help you get back on track really fast. And I said, when I'm in my office and a couple is arguing, and I say to them, what do you think the main point your partner's trying to communicate to you? Or what do you think your partner's main intention is that they're trying to say to you? 
about 80 or 85% of the time, they either are clueless or they mm. guess wrong. Interesting. Which means about 15% of the time they actually get it. The odds are against you knowing the main point or the intention of your partner. If you say, what's the outcome? You might, well, I just want to vent, or I want to be empathized with, or I'm looking for advice, or I want to talk about it and I would like some sympathy, or maybe after I tell you, I just want a hug. Mm. Um, and sometimes you can shift your intention in the middle of a discussion. You can go from just wanting to be empathized with to, no, you know, actually, I would like some advice and input from you on this. Yeah. Uh, so by saying, what's your intent, like a plane coming into an airport can save a lot of crashes. Fantastic. Yeah, I love that. All right. The other thing I know you guys talk a lot about is a teamwork for two. Talk to me about that. What is What do you mean by teamwork for two or what are the skills we're talking about there that you help people with? Um, well, I'll give you one and then Pete probably will follow up with some other. But, um, you know, to be effective in a marriage and a business, you, you are developing good teamwork. That's what the candor solution is for, to develop good teamwork. But a subset of that is for couples to learn how to coach and be coached by each other. Mm. And, uh, and, and exactly, without feeling bossed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, an example of that is there are times that you're going to be pissed off at each other or you're mm -hmm. going to, and you may, so we, we, co we coach couples um, to give a signal when you're like going to lose it. And so it might be like, we think about the brain and the limbic system as being the part of the, the emotional center of the brain. That's the part of us that's being triggered when we're mad or we want to pout or withdraw or be nasty or whatever. So if you can signal your partner when you're getting triggered and your partner has some idea of the words to say that can help you calm down and get centered and be able to say it from the prefrontal cortex instead of saying it from the limbic reactivity, mm. that's a kind of coaching and being coached that's really productive. Okay. If somebody is on, I'll just elaborate for a second on what Ellen said. If somebody is feeling like they're losing it, uh, you just might take your, you might just grab your thumb, which is a nonverbal signal okay. that I'm about to lose it. Or you just might clasp your fingers together. Um, yeah, uh, and that's a signal to your partner that you're struggling to stay balanced. And if your partner then says to you, oh, what would you like to hear from me now? And then you could say, okay, thank you, thank you. What I'd really prefer to hear from you right now is dot, dot, dot. Or if you could say it like this, I could hear it better. That way it, you're working together to get out of a bad spot. Can I also say in that situation, let's just take a pause here and we'll come back to this later. That's also a valid thing to say Absolutely. too. And the person who asks for a pause is the one who needs to bring it back and not wait to be pursued by the partner. Right. Okay. So I'll give you one and we usually encourage people to bring it up within 24 hours. Okay. okay. Yeah, not, not to leave it too, too long. Now here's a book because we like to read outside of our field often. 
uh, for teamwork, leadership, et cetera. There's a good book that we suggest. It's called High Altitude Leadership. High Altitude Leadership by Chris Warner and another author, but Chris Warner will get it to you. It's what it's about. It's the world's most forbidding peaks. What they teach us, these biggest mountains in the world and climbing them, what they teach us about success, leadership, and teamwork. And if you really got to have teamwork when you're climbing these extraordinarily high mountains, and you got to have leadership. And so they take those principles because they lead a lot of expeditions to the top of Everest. But they take those same principles for executives, for management teams, for entrepreneurs. And Ellen and I say, you know what? They also fit for marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, how to be a leader and how to be a follower and how to switch roles fluidly. And these are the lessons that can apply to your business uh, and to your marriage working together. So it's really a good book if you look at it from that perspective. Yeah, I love it. And I, I can see how I was just thinking about, you know, you were, you were talking about it's not just communicating, but making sure you're clear about what your intent is, what you need. If I'm, if I'm climbing the mountain and I'm not feeling well, it's not good enough to say, oh, I'm not feeling so well. I need to say, I need to stop and I need this and this, right? Bingo. So that, that is clarity exactly of communication. Right. Yeah. That is exactly right. Yeah. Um, great. So thanks for that recommendation, Pete. Um, you know, on the, on the positive side, one of the things that working with my spouse did do, and I find this uh, had been challenging before, is when you're out there working in your business and your spouse is not involved and you come home, she or he understandably wants to know all about what happened today. But by that time, we're so exhausted and so spent right. that we don't want to communicate it. One right. of the benefits of working together is we both, we both were in it together and that we had a shared, uh, you know, effort and, and battle sometimes, but we both understood very clearly yes. what we had done that day. That's exactly right. Right. And when, you know, when there's something that's hanging over from the day and you bring it home, you don't have to explain all the precursors. <laughs> right. I don't have to go through it all over in detail. Right. Right. Um, and I can, I see that I, I don't have as much of a problem with that, but like my partner, David has a bigger challenge with that because he doesn't want to rehash it sometimes right. when he gets home. Right. Uh, everybody's right. kind of different on that. Well, and you know, the spouse who's at home, particularly when they're home with young kids, yeah, <laughs> they often feel like that's their touch with the adult world. And when the spouse who's out working refuses to say anything about what went on at work, they feel very discounted, pushed aside, and like they're just really marginalized from functioning at all in the adult world. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And again, going back to how I have to balance it now, I may have had a tremendous day either because of an issue or a success or whatever. She wants to tell me about her great day or problem client. And I have to be careful that they're both equally important for us to listen to. Bingo. All right. All right. So what have I not asked you about on this topic as we start to close it off? Um, again, for those people who are listening who are either thinking about going into business together as a couple, or maybe they're in it now and maybe struggling a little bit, is there anything I didn't ask about or we didn't talk about that uh, you think we should chat about? Um, I don't think so much as, uh, like I said, we have 
we have a blueprint for the candor solution that people can get. And as part of that, we also include a lot of information about ne negotiation skills that are specific for couples. So instead of it's, it's easier for somebody to read that and go through the process and then experiment and practice it than it is for us to teach it, particularly just by audio. Sure. So we suggest that anybody who's got a tough issue to work out with a partner or something they want to negotiate, uh, that they get a hold of that and try it out and use it. Wonderful. How did they get that special report? <laughs> uh, they can go to couplesinstitute.com forward slash the how. Perfect. And <laughs> we'll have a... <laughs> couplesinstitute.com forward slash the how. And we will have a link to it as well on the show notes page uh, on the howabusiness.com. So you'll be able to find it various places. So thanks for that. So besides that tool, or that's one of the tools, but uh, summarize for us the other services that you offer your clients. Uh, so I think two that are especially relevant possibly for your audience. One is we do a two-day entrepreneur's marriage intensive, and that's just for one couple at a time to really go through all the elements in the candor process and fine tune them and make decisions and use them for their own business slash marriage situation. Uh, we can also do just a three hour consult to help people uh, recognize where they need the most help and how to get started. So those are two that are very targeted specifically for the entrepreneur's marriage or the small business owner. Um, we also have um, workshops we do sometimes for couples. We've got a lot of free blogs on our site that uh, are about all kinds of issues that couples face. So people can go and, you know, look as all, at all of that as well. Um, I think I'll mention one other book, which is a book that we wrote a number of years ago. It's called Tell Me No Lies, How to Face the Truth and Build a Loving Marriage. And what... What's good about that book is that it tracks the course of two couples who met almost in the exact same way. And one of them does a lot of things right and builds a really strong marriage over time. The other one makes what we would call a lot of mistakes and the marriage really blows apart in some very, very sad and tragic ways. Hmm. But, but in there are a lot of uh, things for couples about, um, how to tell the truth, how to receive the truth, how to have the courage for the growth that's needed to have a really strong marriage. How to tell the truth with compassion. Okay. Fantastic. Great, great resources, great recommendations. Um, what do you guys love the most about what you do today? Uh, it's the variety. It's interesting. It's challenging. And it feels like we're making a contribution, you know, not only to for business people, but for their marriage and, and combining those two. And that's really special. Yeah, and I would say I, I, I love what I do because it's never boring. Um, mm -hmm. It's always interesting, challenging, exciting. <laughs> and beside the entrepreneurial couples work, I do a lot of work teaching and training uh, couples therapists all over the world. And I so uh, that is a way of having a reach beyond just the two of us. There's one other thing as we stop, which is I like working with entrepreneurs because they have a bias for action. Mm. Uh, and a lot of times couples come in and they just want to collect insights, but nothing happens. I see. But entrepreneurs say, tell me what or tell me how. Mm -hmm. 
and there's a bias for action and getting it done. And I really like that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a great point. All right. What's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we had about working together in a business as a couple? Well, it's what I said earlier. Find out what's important to your partner. Find out what they want and really inquire why that is important to them. And that's the key, the what and the how. How important is it and why is it important? And if it doesn't violate your moral standards, help make it happen. And when both of you do that, that's when you start creating magic in your business and your marriage. And sometimes they're really small things that make a huge, huge difference to somebody. So if you take the time to figure out what that is, you can do something that may not be very time consuming, but carries really packs a wallop. Yeah. Great stuff. I, and going back to, you know, an example for me, what I ended up doing as a litmus test, similar to what you said about how would you treat a customer is I always thought when we were talking about business and I was kind of losing it, I, I always asked myself, would I be embarrassed if one of our clients overheard this conversation that I'm having with my wife? Wow. Would, would I be embarrassed about the tone? Right. Um, and I always tried, and I'm not saying it always worked, but I always tried to think about yeah. it. What a great litmus test. Yeah. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. So in, in, insightful and so many great takeaways. Thank you so much to both of you for taking the time to be with me today. Hey, and thank you for the invite, Henry. Uh, this was a, I really enjoyed the skill that you interview. Uh, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. You're a great interviewer, and it was fun to connect with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guests today, again, were Dr. Ellen Bader and Dr. Peter Pearson. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. You can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.